Golf Podcast, presented by Golficity, where we bring you the tips, instruction, and support you need to get the most out of your golf game. And now your hosts, Frank and Mike. Hey guys, welcome back to the Golf Podcast. This is episode number 337, and we've got a special guest today. We're going to be talking with Dr. Joseph Parent, who is the author of Zen Golf, among other books, but Zen Golf, uh, as a lot of you know, one of my personal favorites. A lot of you, when you ask me in the Facebook group or DM what I recommend, it's always one of the very first golf books I recommend. And Mike, can you believe it's been quite a while? We had Doc, Dr. Joseph Parent on the show, episode 149, which was January 2017. Wow. A lot has happened time. since then. A lot yeah. has changed. Mm. But- one thing that stays consistent is his book. Mm-hmm. It, it maintains, if you uh, go on the Amazon golf books bestseller list, it's always up there. And there's a reason for it. And I think, if nothing else, I mean, now it's a, it's a time that's very pertinent. Um, right now, a lot of stress in people's lives, uh, things like COVID and things like that. Uh, and a lot of people have since revisited the book uh, I was speaking actually with uh, his his publisher, or you know, as we were coordinating the interview, and they said the book has seen like a lot of resurgence because of the stress that a lot of people are dealing with because of that. But one thing that particularly that I want to dive into with him is because we had, and if you hadn't listened to the last episode, episode one forty nine, go back and check that out. It's free in the Golficity app. You can go to golficity.com slash episode one forty nine to re listen to that. And that's where we really dove into a lot of the core concepts of the book. Um, but one thing that I want to pick his brain on is when it comes to kids and beginner golfers, we're going to dive into that with him because, um, you and I both have our, our daughters are, are reaching the age where they're starting to be able to get out there and play a little bit with us, right. but there's frustration. And I think that's one of the golf being such a difficult game. That's one of the main reasons why not only kids, but beginners also just don't stick it out. Uh, so I think there's doc is a good person. To, to give guidance oh, for on sure. this. For sure. For sure. So I don't want to keep people waiting too long. We, uh, we've we got Doc here on the line. Let's do a quick word from our sponsor, and then we're going to bring him on the show. Um, so first, uh, I want to thank Titleist for sponsoring this week's episode. Whether it's the tour-level shaping and feel of the T100, the powerful playable distance of the T200 or the maximum speed and forgiveness of the T300 T series is a power pack lineup of performance. Uh, but all the innovation goes in for one reason to help make Titleist help Titleist players put lower scores on the card. And we just recently had the uh, ability to go to a Titleist Thursday. Great way to get in and try out all the different lines. I hit the T100. Yeah, I was going to say, how about those butter knives? Yeah. Pretty, pretty sweet, huh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah they they, they nice. feel darn good. But I tell you what, I'm happy. I'm confident with my with my setup. I went with actually a mixed bag of the T200s and T300s. I put the four and five iron in the T3, uh, T300 just to maximize forgiveness in the clubs that are a little harder to hit. And then the T200s, the rest, you know, the rest of the way down through the bag, Man, am I happy with that combo of I got that performance there and the forgiveness. It, it, they're just terrific clubs. Uh, definitely suggest you guys get out there, try them, get to a Titleist Thursday event. It's a great way to try them. You can find out more by going to Titleist.com. And guys, thank you to ShotScope for sponsoring today's episode. The ShotScope V3 is a stat tracking laser like GPS watch. It tells you everything you want to know about your golf game. We've been using it for a long time now. Long time now. You know, we're always talking about it, and it's a good way to kind of look back at your golf game and see the areas that you need to improve or the areas that you're actually doing really well in. Well, one of the features I like, Frank, is club usage. You know, yes. when you do these fittings and you speak to the fitter, um, I, you know, I went into that Titleist Thursday saying, you know, I only use my hybrid 
zero percent of the time, according right. to me, literally zero. Right. I never use it. So should I swap that out for a three iron, things like that? So, you know, you can learn a lot about your golf game. Um, and you've probably been hearing a lot of chatter about this new V3. What is it? What makes it new? Well, it's smaller. It's sleeker. I always talk about this. I, I kind of refer to the size of an Apple Watch. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's really uh, decreased in size from the V2, which makes it, you know, you don't really know what's there on your wrist. It's even and, more playable. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's like I said, sleeker. It's got color bands. It's got the color screen display. So a lot of, t- you know, great updates. And guys, you got to pre-order it now because they sold out. They sold out because everyone wanted it mm-hmm. because it's that great of a product. You can pre-order it now and you'll get the second run coming out to all you in October. So get on it. Get on that line. Get on the line, man. (laughs) Shotscope.com slash golficity. Yep. And uh, before we bring Dr. Perrin, I just want to thank FootJoy. Uh, guys, take your game to the max uh, this season with the FootJoy Torx Golf Shoe. Fully loaded inside and out, Torx delivers max stability, max comfort, and max control. The outsole features, I love talking about these things, <laughs> nine launch pods. You hear launch pods. You launch feel like pod. you're going to launch the crap out of the yeah. ball, right? Exactly, because they know. FootJoy knows. They create these. They, get, they put these launch pods in to provide max stability so you can launch it past your buddies. Uh, it doesn't sacrifice on comfort. Uh, Torx wraps your foot in coziness. They have these ortholite impression fit beds that we always talk about because you're out on those on those on your feet for like five hours out there, plus more if you're hanging out afterwards with your buddies. So they know a lot about in shoe comfort and support. Tour proven by players like Kevin Kisner. You can experience the max performance for yourself with the all new FootJoy Tour X. Shop now at FootJoy.com. And don't think I haven't noticed you've been wearing yours the last like four or five times we played. Oh, yeah. I, I like think him. somebody's liking this Tour X. I like what Tour X is yeah. now bombing it past you, right? <laughs> There it is. <laughs> there it is. There it is. I, t- I teed that one up to him he a did, little he bit did. too he much. Put it there. All right, guys. Let's uh, let's go ahead and bring Dr. Joseph Parent on the show now. All right, guys. So we're really excited here to get Dr. Joseph Parent back on the show. Mike, can you believe the last time we spoke to the doc? It was January 2017. Oh wow! I was going to ask you how long it's been. And and since then, it's still one of our our most listened to episodes. It's one of our most requested things to, to, to bring you back on the show here. So we're super excited to have you back. My pleasure. Great to talk to you guys again. It, it is great. And, and your book to this day is, is one of the first books I recommend when people ask. It's a book that I've I've said this before, and we, we don't have to get too much into it because we covered a lot of it in the last episode. I want to talk about some new stuff, but uh, mm-hmm. I have the audio book. I think you did a terrific job with the audio book, you, you know, being Thank your you. voice and I, I listen to it still on the way to the course when I need those refreshers. So I want to say uh, thank you specifically for that. Well, my pleasure. You know, I, um, when I was uh, in high school and college, I did a lot of acting. And then I also do um, a lot of meditation. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, and it's an interesting combination that you need to do audiobooks because you're supposed to sit very still. If you move too much, it picks up sounds in the very sensitive microphone, but you still have to emote and have to express yeah. it. So uh, for hours and hours and hours. So oh. I was able to do that, and I did the audiobook for Zen Golf, for Zen Putting, for Golf, The Art of the Mental Game. Mm-hmm. And then my, my more recent books, I did uh, my diet book, The Zen of Losing Weight, Mm-hmm. Uh, Zen tennis, and the latest book I I actually did. You know the uh, one we're going to talk about the kids book. Uh, it's actually a family book. It's for adults and kids. 
a walk in the wood and I had to I had to do all the Disney characters too. The I mean the Winnie the Pooh characters. Really? Bigger and Eeyore and <laughs> you know, so, but it was a lot of fun. I, I really enjoyed doing the audiobooks. Yeah, well you you do an excellent job with them and it's it's a it's a good segue there because that's one of the big things I want to talk about. I know I've got a copy of that book on the way. I can't wait to dig into it, but now, one big thing that's changed since we've last spoke almost three years ago is both myself and Mike, we have daughters who are starting to reach that age where they're coordinated enough to start holding and hopefully soon swinging yep. a golf club a bit. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to um, kind of pick your brain on some of these philosophies because a big thing that would go into that, and I think not only with children, but also with any beginner golfer is... Mm -hmm there's a frustration point because, Hey, as golfers, we know how, how difficult this game is. And you get to a certain point, you know, you've got to embrace that. But as a new golfer, I think a lot of people, they start up and then they get turned off and they never quite pursue it because of the frustration that builds early. So for us, we're trying to guide our, our daughters through it. I'd love to hear what some of the advice you have there. Okay. So let's start with the kids and then we'll go further to beginners. Okay. Um, all age beginners. So for kids, now when I started, I started with, with a pitch and putt course when I was 10 or 11 years old. Mm -hmm. um, and all we, we got a, you know, we got a putter and a nine iron. I think that was, all, <laughs> that, was, that was what we carried around on this little pitch and putt course. I think the longest hole was 80 yards and the shortest was 30 yards or something like that. Um, and, it, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, whenever I teach, golf, I always start them <clears throat> with a two-foot putt mm. and then work backwards from there. But, but the key to, the, to going out with the kids is for them to have fun. Now, here's the problem. You go out on, when you finally get them to go out on a real golf course, um, what happens for the, for the kids is that they end up... <laughs> You hit your drive, and they hit their shot, and it's nowhere near as far as yours. And that they compare themselves to you, and that get that gets frustrating. Mm -hmm. And then you're there, and they hit another one. They hit another one. They they and they they feel like they've hit four or five times before they even get to yours. Now you can't remember where you hit yours because it's been so long. Yeah. And now you're looking for your ball, and and it's it it, it doesn't work. So so uh, and not to mention. If it's a course where other people are playing, they're behind you, and then you feel rushed, and, yes. and the whole thing isn't fun. You, we, we end up, we, even when we don't want to, we're pushing them along. Well, all right, come on, come right. on, move along. Pick, right. Pick, pick your ball up. I don't want to pick my ball up. I want to play. Okay. Right. So instead, uh, you start out where they could actually reach the green in a couple of shots, mm -hmm. maybe from 100 yards out from the green, like the pitch and putt, right? Maybe uh, as they're a little bit older, 150. They, they have, you know, U.S. Kids Golf does that. They set up kids tees mm -hmm. at the 150-yard marker. So you set up there. Now, here's the secret to this. Your job is not, you don't play your regular shots. Mm. Wherever they hit it, your job is to try to hit your ball as close to theirs as you can. Okay. Okay. Then, 
pain becomes about them instead of about you. Right. And then they're much happier. So even if they, you know, foozle one off the tee and it only goes 15 yards, your job is to pitch a, hit a little chip that lands near their ball. It's a sneaky way of getting us to work on some areas of our game too there. <laughs> yes, and you're going to and and you can't you can't shoot their ball for distance. You've got to gauge the distance. Oh, how far did they hit that one? What club do I need to hit that shot? And now you're working on your short game and always just drop a ball. Don't rake it over. Just drop a ball like you're taking a drop in the fairway. And then you're playing a real shot, mm -hmm. trying to get to that spot. And your short game is going to get so much better. <laughs> right. Your pitch shots and your little punch shots and things are going to get so much better. And they're going to have fun because it's about them. Right. And we're playing along and together. We're moving along together through the, the hole. As close as you can get to their shot. That's right. Yeah, I like you know, that. Dr. Perrin, it's I'm sorry to cut you off. Uh, I just wanted to jump in here because I took my seven-year-old uh, golfing mm -hmm. last Sunday to the, the par three uh, executive course. Uh, right. Average 120, 150 yard holes, you know, so relatively long for, you know, a, a short little seven-year-old girl. Yeah, and. Right. It was great because the, the days leading up to it, she kept telling me, Dad, I'm so excited. Even the night before, I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight. I'm so excited to go golfing. And that was getting me excited. Yeah. But then two to three holes in, frustration takes over. Her head was out of it mentally. She didn't really pick up another club. We played nine holes. I think from holes four through eight, she put the clubs away and, and closed out nine with me because mm -hmm. she just couldn't advance the ball. So you giving me this little bit of advice. I went back and, of course, I was playing for me. I was hitting my long balls. I was hitting greens. I was getting excited. Not even really playing with her, but yes. helping her along the way. So I love this idea. Mm-hmm. It, it, and, and then if she hits a bad one, it doesn't matter because that's your new target. Right. And it's about her, mm -hmm. not about you. And basically... That, that's how kids see the world it, in, it's about them mm -hmm. true so, uh, and if it's not about them they lose interest <laughs> makes real sense fast. makes sense real fast so you that's what you do and um, and as far as score goes you don't keep score but you keep score in a different way because they're gonna say don't we keep score yeah here's how we're gonna keep score each of us gets you, each of us gets a point if we hit a shot that we really liked. Interesting. So let's say she hits one and it goes in the air and it goes 15 yards, but it went in the air. Yeah. She liked it. Boom. She gets it. I said, did you like that one? Yeah. You get a point. So two things you're doing. You're One, you're forcing them to, to think a little bit more about their shot. And two, you're making them basically mentally reinforce a positive. Mentally reinforce a positive. They don't have to think about the shot. No, you I mean, after the fact, they think that was good shot and oh, actually yeah. appreciate it. Yeah. Oh, appreciate. Yes. Right. After the, after the fact, they appreciate. The they can reflect on. Right. I thought you that's a, no. That's a much better way of phrasing it. That's why you're yeah. the writer, and I'm reflect on the shot <laughs> and say, "How did I feel about that one?" Yeah, I I like that one. And you don't have to say really like one. Anyone that you like, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and they go, okay, yeah. Now that what it does is yes, it focuses on the positive and they're going to, you only count the ones you liked. 
I like that. Because otherwise you go, oh, I have to count that one. Yeah, you have to count that one. I don't want to count that one. Mm -hmm. I didn't mean to hit that one that way. <laughs> you yep. know right. how kids are, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, wait, I want to do that again. I want to do that again. No, you don't have to do that again. You only hit it three feet, but now I have to put it over to where your ball is. That's fine. <laughs> you also don't hold up the course if you drive out to the 100-yard marker to start. Mm -hmm. Right? But, you know, um, but again, even on even on the executive course or the par three, uh, Mike, if you have a seven-year-old, mm -hmm. you, you still might not want to start at the regular tee. You know, if it's a 150-yard hole, Start at 75 yards. Yeah, definitely a mistake I made. I should have moved up. I, I realized that quickly yeah. when she started Start to lose. 75 yards. She hits it 50. That's a good drive for her. Yeah. And yeah. then another 25, and you got a real golf hole for her. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so, I, I like that it's appealing because I, I do hate rushing them, but I can see what you mean. If you were to, even on a full-size golf course, if I was to drive up and start the hole from 100, it would take me the same amount of time with me and my daughter to play from 100 in as it would be normally for a golfer to play from. And the force from behind you to play the hole. So we keep pace okay. without having yep. to rush exactly. or pick up the ball. Exactly. Yeah. Isn't that cool? It is. I like that idea. So – it's all about the kids. You get your short game. You, you'll be amazed. One round of this, and you will be so much better at those. And it's not just the short game because it's going to be those 30 and 40-yard shots that we all struggle with because we don't practice enough. Mm -hmm. Right. But now you get you get nine holes of practice on 30 and 40-yard shots. Almost all of your shots are going to be like that. Right. Now, when you get to the green, you say, okay, when we get to the green, we each putt, but we, it's maximum three, maximum three putts. And and that way you want to hold things up because they, they might be playing green hockey back and forth, and, you know, right. all, all, as they're just learning. But you just say, you know, three. we each get three chances to get it in the hole, and that's it. Mm. And, and, you I, count, and you count the putts also. If she, she really, if she liked that one, did you like that putt? And you asked, did you like that one? That's that's what you were saying, Frank, the, yeah. the reflection. Did you like that one? Uh, yeah, it was okay. Okay, I'll give you a point. Gotcha. So low standards on getting points to start with. Believe me, they will raise their standards. Just kind of let do, them find that on their own. Yeah, yeah, and you do the same thing. You get you get points, and that's your competition. Who can get more points and hit shots that you liked? Hmm. If yeah. they want a competition, but you don't have to have that. Have the competition just be for themselves. You know, let every time we play, you're going to try and get more points. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I could see that. So, they, and as you said, it will naturally progress that they'll get a little bit higher and higher standards. But I also like the idea. Now, granted, as golfers, we shouldn't be have too many ch <laughs> chances where we're four putting a hole. But I like that we're both playing by those same rules. So rather than it being always your kid who's picking up and moving along, you're saying, I'm playing by the same rules as you. If yep. I get three putts, if I go any more than that, I'm picking up and moving on too so they don't feel yep. kind of left out. And, you know, now that you mentioned it, it's not a bad idea for you to intentionally mm -hmm. do on the first one. That's where my thought process is going. If they see you pick yep. up as well, they know this is an accept, you know, I'm That's not right. singled out. I'm not the one who's holding everyone up. Very good insight. Yeah. Very good. So now let's go to uh, let's go to beginners. 
<laughs> I was uh, teaching this. Uh, I'll tell you a funny story that goes with this. I was invited to teach a program called Women, Business, and Golf. Uh, it was not long after a book came out called Breaking the Grass Ceiling. Okay. You've heard the expression breaking the, the glass. glass mm-hmm. Yeah. That women can only progress because the, the boardroom was a, a guy thing. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, the, the story is uh, the boss calls two salespeople in and say, we got a client, you know, Susie and Jim. Oh, Jim, I think you're going to get this one because he's a golfer. Mm-hmm. Well, Probably what common Susie, story there. Yep. Didn't Susie have a chance? Just so, so women needed to learn how to play business golf. And so I was teaching them and met most of them were, were beginners. In fact, one was enough of a beginner that, and she had played, she said, no, no, I played before. And we, we go out to, to play after the morning practice session, we go out to play. And on the very first hole, she picks her ball up. And, and I said, what are you doing? She said, we're playing golf, right? In golf, you all hit, and then you pick your ball up and go to the best one. <laughs> so, so she thought every all of golf was a scramble. A scramble, mm-hmm. yeah. And <laughs> and then and then we get to the neck to the the second tee, and she goes, "Where's the table with the drinks?" <laughs> <laughs> and right, she thought that in all of golf, on every hole, there was a table with prizes and drinks, and and you and you picked up. She had only played corporate scramble tournament. Yeah. She's probably fun? thinking, no wonder we all love being out there so much. That's a, no uh, wonder people love golf. Yeah. <laughs> I'll play. <laughs> Drinks and prizes on every hole. Okay. So um, when we, we finally did explain that, now that gave me an idea. So I came up with this for beginners. If you're a beginner, you start out by saying, I'm a be- and and you're paired with some people. They're going to go. Oh no, a beginner. Oh my God, this is going to be a long day. So first, you assure them. You say, "I just want you to know, I'm aware of pace of play, and I'm going to keep up with you." Okay. Mm-hmm. And then say, uh, "And I play a particular game called OPS." And they say, "What's OPS?" And it's, they said, "It stands for Optional Personal Scramble." Okay. <laughs> anytime I don't like my shot, I can pick up and I'm going to pick up and come out to yours. Well, what a relief. Right. You're, if you're playing with a beginner, that the beginner's just going to pick up and come and play from yours, and then that keeps up the pace of play, right? Mm-hmm. Um, OPS also stands for other person's shot. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm going to play the other person's show. I'm going to play your, from where you where you hit yours, and then they they come along and these and you can even say and I hope you don't mind. Um, I might if if I didn't like my tee shot when I go out to the fairway where yours is, I might tee it up in the fairway. Mm-hmm. Are they going to mind? No way. Ooh. They're going to love that you're keeping pace. And whatever gives you the chance to hit a better shot is yep. fine. Mm-hmm. Then, uh, and then again, and say, I have, you know, and I never take more than three putts, so don't worry. If I miss the second one, I'll be picking up. Perfect. And, and, and all, and what you're doing is you're being respectful of the other people that you're playing with and the pace of play, and everybody's going to want to play. You'll be fine. 
nobody's going to not want to play with you. Right. And they'll be encouraging. And so, you're learning to play the game in a way that's far less frustrating than hacking at it and, and looking around and seeing everyone grimacing and waiting on you. So much less frustrating. Hmm. And again, you use the same scoring system. And, and, and they say, uh, you know, so what did you shoot today? said, uh, 27. What do you mean? said, I hit 27 shots that I liked. <laughs> 27. And, I, and I'm going to try and break 30 next time. Right. And, We're counting and up is good <laughs> in this case. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they go, wow, that, okay, that's interesting. And what about the bad ones? They don't count. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Can you imagine playing golf and the bad ones, bad ones don't, don't count? That's a dream, yes. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and the other one is for beginners, people will be giving you advice. Yes. Tough. That's yeah. tough. Mm-hmm. Golfers cannot resist giving people advice. They when people say, when people say, what do you do for a living? I say, well, I play golf with people and I give them advice. They say, I do that for free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I said, that's pretty good. I would do that anyway. Okay, so so what do beginners do when they get the advice? The most important thing is to be polite and say, thank you. I appreciate your wanting to help. And then don't do it. Right? <laughs> and, and, it and if the person says, and you can say, um, you know, um, because, because you, you have to, you want to, you want to be polite and say, okay, that's fine. But instead, um, don't do it. Just work on the things that you know you're working on. If they say, well, you didn't really do that. They say, well, I understand that. And, and I'm going to take your idea that you suggested to my pro the next time I have my lesson and see what he or she thinks of it. But he told me, just to work on my stuff today. Mm. So uh, I hope you don't mind. Very polite. You're accepting and invalid and validating the guy's suggestion and saying you're going to run it by your pro, but you don't have to follow it. You don't have to do it. Yeah. Okay. It's an important um, point because it actually reminds me just the other day, uh, pretty much, you know, a lot of people know I'm involved in golf and so they'll, they'll talk to me about it. And I was getting my hair cut and the woman was cutting my hair said, she had a, a girlfriend who wanted to get into the game and she said her brothers and her father played. So she wanted to go out there and play with them. And she said the reason she couldn't do it was because they gave her too much advice. She said that when she went out there, they all wanted her to love, love the game so much. They wanted and they were, they were very eager. But what she said was she was getting it from three people the whole round. Do this, do this, do this. And it frustrated her to the point of saying, I'm not going out there with them anymore. And that is extremely common uh, between husbands and wives. Uh, and, you know, um, but also, <clears throat> and, you know, and, and men want to help. Mm-hmm. And so they, so it's really frustrating for women to go out there with brothers or fathers or, or husbands or boyfriends and, just keep being told what to do and what they're being told what they're doing wrong. Right. Uh, you know, I don't know about you, but 
myself and pretty much every human being I know of doesn't like to be told what they're doing wrong. <laughs> no, we we're don't. told what to do. You should do this. You should do, you know, stop shitting all over me. Yeah. <laughs> don't tell me what I should do. Okay. So, so, um, what you can do as a beginner to, to mitigate that, to, to prevent that is you can say, you know what? I'd really like your advice on decorum and etiquette. If I'm if I'm doing something wrong, mm -hmm. as far as going out of turn or where I'm teeing the ball up or anything, please correct me. But but my pro asked that I only that I not get too much technique input. Gotcha. And I just and so always blame your pro, <laughs> even if you don't okay. have one. I'll be taking this to my pro or my pro said not to do, you know, not to listen to any, anything else. So, but I do, I do want your advice on how I, whose turn is it and, and how I conduct myself and where to walk and things like that. So, so that's always helpful. So now if we were to flip that on the opposite side, so that's excellent advice for our beginner listeners out there who want to go out and play without the frustration and intimidation. But a lot of us uh, go who are already golfers, who are bringing our friends out there to play, is it just a matter of just reversing that and simply saying to them, hey, listen, I'm going to withhold my advice, but w if you feel in any where you need it, I'm happy to offer it? Or, or what What should we do on this side of the fence? Yeah, uh, that that's good. And don't let me forget, I want to talk about the personal par, which is one of the chapters in Zen Golf. <clears throat> for for beginners and, and high handicappers. So we'll get back to that. Um, yes, the flip side is the same. I have never, I have never offered coaching to anybody without asking first. Mm -hmm. Now I'm, I, I, I would say, and I, and if I'm going out for a, a, a friendly round, I'll say, yeah, you know, I'm happy to help if you have a question, but I'm not going to impose. And they say, no, no, I want you to, I want you to tell me what's going on. Well, even so, I never start by saying, would you like an observation about that shot? Hmm. Would you like, you know, would you like a commentary on that? Or would you like to, to know what I saw? Mm -hmm. Which is the same as an observation. Right. And and be ready to accept them saying, no, I know what I did. Uh, let me work on it myself for a little bit. Great. Yeah. Fine. And if they say it, the, the, and this is the thing that I'd like to convey to the golfers who are offering the advice. As little technical swing instruction as you can. Because that's just going to twist them up into pretzels they're going to be thinking about their swing. Start with setup. Just say, well, um, you think you hit a bad shot, but actually you hit it exactly where you were aimed. Oh, I did? Now they get two good things. One, you actually hit a good shot. They get a compliment. And then they get feedback on their alignment, which is way the most common thing for beginners to be aiming way offline. And yeah. then they're, they're basically compensating for their alignment and all their swings. Mm -hmm. So start with setup. Just say, you know, 
why don't, you know, would you like an observation? Well, the ball is way too forward or way too back in your stance. Why don't we start with really vanilla? Put it in the middle, not too far, gold, not, not vanilla, Goldilocks, okay? Yep. Not too far forward, not too far back, not too close to you, not too far away from you. Right. Don't make too big a swing, don't make too little a swing. Let's go middle, uh, Goldilocks. Mm-hmm. And, so, and so so doing that, um, well, my pro said I should put my pull my right foot back to hit a draw. Yeah, I, that's lovely, but he didn't mean, he or she didn't mean that much. Right. So little adjustments start with neutral and only offer, and, and as much as you can, offer those kinds of observations. And the other one is to ask. Did you swing with full commitment or did you have doubts in your mind? Now, you know from, uh, from, from Zen golf mm-hmm. that... Uh, <clears throat> the anyways? The anyways. Yes. I had a lesson yesterday. Uh, the guy said, I don't know why I didn't hit that. I don't know why I, I didn't really go after that one. And I said, how'd you feel about your club selection? And he said, you know... I took a club that I had to hit perfectly, and, I'm, and I had my doubts about And then the wind came up, and I had my doubts, and I said, but you went ahead anyway? And he said, oh, yeah, <laughs> it isn't anyway. Anyway, mark it. So, so um, that's what you can work with them on and just say, you know, whatever decision you make, make a committed swing. Mm-hmm. Let's work on you making more committed swings, and then we'll see what's going on with your game. But if you don't make committed swings, there's no point in trying to correct your technique. Right. I don't care what level golfer you are. You have to make a committed that's, swing. That's, so it's a good lesson to learn early. That's for sure. Yes. That's very good. Yeah. Uh, and, and the guy said, you know, now that I noticed it, you stepped out of your address and, and, re, and, and set up again four times in the nine holes that we played. I said, yeah, that's right. And, and it didn't slow things down. It slowed things down a lot less than if I was looking in the weeds for my ball. <laughs> True. So, so he said, you know, I never do that. I said, you need to start doing that, you know, when you have doubts because you're just going to hit a better shot. Now, I want to go back to, for beginners and high handicappers, personal par. Yes. Don't measure yourself. You want to take away frustration like we did for the kids. Don't measure yourself against the par on the scorecard. The par on the scorecard is for a scratch golfer mm-hmm. who plays a hole without making a mistake. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> that, what par is. Right. I played the hole and I either I didn't make a mistake or I recovered from it. What you want to do is your personal par. So if you're a bogey golfer, if you're a if you're a 90 shooter, mm-hmm. that's eight like an 18 handicap. You get a stroke on every hole. Change the scorecard. Actually, write, rewrite the number of par on the scorecard, and then the par five becomes par six. Mm-hmm. And if you're any higher than an eighteen, usually the par five becomes a par seven. You got a lot of shots before yeah. you get your par. And you're measuring yourself against an appropriate yardstick. Exactly yeah. for you. Right. Exactly. So That's similarly, cool. that would be a great thing to do with the kids. Even on a, a par three course, go through and, and change them and make them sixes and sevens. And 
Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> absolutely. And just and just say, um, that's what par is on, uh, on this whole. But for kids to start with, just right, keep the score, score yep. of the points that of the shots they liked. Yep. When they say, I want to keep score on the card, then say, well, in golf, we have this system called a handicap system. So you get extra chances. Mm. Call them chances, chances instead of strokes. You get extra chances. So you get five chances to get to the hole where I only get three chances. Gotcha. Okay. And then we see, we, we, we compare them. And they said, well, daddy, I, I got there in four and you got there in four, but I get two more than you. So I beat you by two. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Cause that's all they want to do is beat you. Right. And so if, if, if you give them the extra chances, uh, then they get, you know, they get a, their bonus. They get their special, special bonus. There you go. Okay. So, so that's what we wanted to, uh, yeah, that, that's the, that's the key things I wanted to address, but, but I, before I let you go, what I do want is like I said, a lot of our <laughs> listeners, let's keep going. Good, good. Cause a lot of our listeners, you know, have, have read your book. Like I said, we've suggested that we had you on the podcast years ago. And since then we've had some uh, great questions come in. Uh, from a few of our listeners through our Facebook mm -hmm. group. So if you don't mind, I'd like to just run through just uh, some of the Let's highlights here, some some great questions that were submitted. Um, so the first one, this one comes from Pete McCann, and he said, in the time since you wrote the original book, are there any ideas that you've since revised or any additions you would like to make since you, uh, if you were to rewrite the book? And I'll add something to that just for clarity for anyone. When was the original publishing of, of Zen Golf? Zen Golf was in the spring of 2002. Wow. Time, so time flies. So I wrote, wrote it in 2001. So it's been almost 20 years. Wow. Wow. So <laughs> I would imagine there may be, I mean, the, the book is pretty darn good and I don't think it needs revisions. But if it was, can you tell us a little bit about what, you know, answer Pete's question there? Mm -hmm. Well, it's very gratifying. It's still one of the best sellers in golf and, uh, <clears throat> I have a student who's 14. He was, he, it was out for five years before he was born and he's reading it and digging it. So, so it's, uh, that it's, that's very gratifying to me. Now there are, there are a number of other things that I've developed like, uh, uh, how to pick targets and a game plan. And, but all of those are going into my next golf book, which called, uh, is going to be called uh, golfing your ball. And, and I had some additional things in Zen putting and in golf, the art of the mental game. So I have three other golf books that have some additional things and how to make every putt. The two main changes that we're doing is, well, one is really more, uh, the name, the habit changing system that I introduced that involves intention and awareness. Mm -hmm. I gave a name to it and trademarked, and it's called the Ninja System. And Ninja, the letters Ninja, stand for Necessary Intention and Non-Judgmental Awareness. So, Necessary Intention, you you know, there's a psychologist joke, how many psychologists does it, does it take to change a light bulb? 
only one, but the light bulb has to want to change. <laughs> <laughs> so to make changes, we have to really want to do something differently. <clears throat> and then if we beat ourselves up over it, we actually get in our own way. So it needs to be non-judgmental awareness of the habit and when it's appearing and when it isn't. So we call that the ninja system. Uh, so that was just naming it. We didn't really change the content. The only content I'm going to change is um, I have an exercise of where is your target? And what you do is you set up uh, in your, and this is for alignment. Mm -hmm. You set up for alignment, you close your eyes and you point out to, to towards the target with your target side arm. If you're a right-hander, you point with your left and see if you can, Close, when you close eyes, point toward the target, then look and see where you're pointing. Hmm. And Quick then feedback you gotta, if you're aligned, that's for sure. A few times. The confusion that's happened is people think that they have to point straight out from their shoulder, but you don't want that to be where you're aimed at the target because you want your shoulder line and your hips and knees and everything all lined up parallel to where the club face the club face is pointing at your target. Whether it's your start line or, or you're trying to hit a straight shot, you know, if you're playing a draw, you want to be aiming a little right of where you want it to end up. But wherever your starting target line is, that's where the club face is pointing. But you want your shoulders pointing a little bit left of that. Mm -hmm. So that's the only thing I'm going to clarify. And, just, and I'm going to still say point to the target, but then 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 point straight out from your left shoulder and you'll see where where your alignment of your body should be. Mm -hmm. And for some people, it's helpful to have two targets. I do that when I set up. I set my club face to an intermediate target and then a long distance target. Mm -hmm. But once I set the club face, then I look a few yards to the left and find another thing that I set my feet and my body to. So I have a double target. I have a club face target and a body target. And that gives me room to swing. So I'm not, I'm not crossing, you know, as, as they say in Ghostbusters, I'm not crossing the beam. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Don't cross the beams. Don't cross the beams. Don't cross the beams. Whatever you do, don't cross uh, the beams. That's beam. pretty good. All right. Okay. I, I've so got it. That, that's the changes. Um, but I have a lot of other new stuff that I'm putting together into the next golf book for the 20th anniversary. Uh, 20, uh, you know, 20th I, asked, anniversary, I asked the publisher if they wanted to do a revised edition. And they said, no. I said, <laughs> come on, man, the anniversary is coming. And they said, but it still works the right. way it, I would re-revise it. So we're, we're going to do the little tweaks, but, not, but instead bring out a whole nother golf book. Hey. That's even better for us. A whole new book. Looking forward to that. Um, another question here. Alan Johnson asks, and I like how he phrases his question too. He said, how can I break my self-manifested habit of following birdies with bogeys? So first mm -hmm. I like, you know, that he's the self-manifested is, is a good way of putting it. And I, I'm wondering, I'm guessing some of your answer might be that ninja system. Well, he knows that's in his head. Oh, before I forget, um, I have a special technique for as far as COVID goes and, you know, because we're not supposed to touch our face. Right. So if your eye is itchy, you know, in the dry weather or something, this is what to do. Reach under your sleeve with your hand, mm -hmm. under your shirt, and then use the cloth. 
There you go. Little life hack. So that your fingers don't touch your face. Always do that. Okay, next. Um, so uh, we, there's actually an expression in golf for when a, a, a bad shot follows a, a birdie, and it's called a post-birdie F-up. <laughs> Let's say mess-up. There you right? go. You know what the F stands for. Of course, right. P-B-F-U, post-birdie up. Um, and that's because we, we get excited. We get excited. We made a birdie. Now sometimes we we get a bright idea that oh well maybe I can cut the corner now, <laughs> or, <laughs> right. you know, or I'm going to even hit, I'm going to I'm going to make another one. So I got to hit this drive extra far. You know, bad thoughts for that based out of excitement and and thrill that you you made the birdie. Um, so <clears throat> so be aware of your habits after you make the birdie and just and and here's the thing we also then think oh i made that birdie because i made that particularly good swing i've got to make one just like that and now we start thinking about mm-hmm. how we swung and we, try to imitate the swing we made on the last hole and it just gets you in trouble so instead say you know that birdie came out of good process so I'm going to stick with the same process and the same game plan that gave me that last one. So you keep your cool. Mm-hmm. You, you know, I want you to have some focus and some fire, but not take you out of your game. Gotcha. So instead of keeping your cool, you keep your composure and keep doing what got you that birdie instead of doing something differently. Okay? Makes sense. So. So that that's really my response to the question, and it doesn't tell me how he screwed up after his birdie, but I'm I'm giving you the common answers for for how that happens. Oh, it is quite common for us to think we're superheroes after a, a birdie, and as you said, take a much more aggressive line or something like that. Or if we hit it a little offline, try to play a hero shot instead of just punching out and trying to save par. Yeah. Yeah. Those are slippery slopes for, for I think all of us golfers have experienced one way or another. Um, and then the last question we have here from uh, Trent Peterson, he said, I'll often start off around strong for the first six or seven holes and then have thoughts of breaking his personal best after mm-hmm. several shots. Then ultimately what he's saying is he, from there he shanks one at some point and the round starts to come off the rails he wants to know how can he avoid that moment where these shanks kick in you know because of one bad shot seems to derail his progress okay so we got three different things going on here so let me take them one at a time first what happens after you get that strong start Uh, i will i would ask him how many seven hole scores have you turned in (laughs) Right. (laughs) So what are you doing getting so far ahead of yourself and thinking that it's going to be your record round on 18? I remember having that thought. um, I I, I birdied the first two holes and I thought this could be my, you know, this could be a really low record round. And I went two holes. You got 16 holes. (laughs) What are you doing thinking that? And I, and I know better, but that's what the thought, that's the thought that, even for me, 
but I knew what the thought was, and I said, please, you got to stop. You know, that's ridiculous. Yeah, okay. we all put the cart before the horse we do that. at okay. some point. So, yeah. So first of all, you, you say, reel it back in, pal, back to the present. Yep. What's going to give me the best chance? Keep doing my process. Stick to my same game plan on the next hole and the next hole. And, and really, the, it's a very simple game plan. On each hole... No matter what your score, no matter whether you birdied the last hole or tripled the last hole, on the next hole, what's my game plan for this hole to give me the best chance for success without taking an unnecessary risk? Doesn't matter what your score is, doesn't matter where you're on the round, that's your game plan. And that way you keep with the same game plan and don't get yourself taken out of you. See, but what he's doing, he's as soon as he thinks this could be my best, mm -hmm. The very next thought is, so don't screw it up. Right. That's the very next thought. That's the hidden thought behind this could be my best, which means, but if to, for it to be his best, he's got to play the next 12 holes perfectly. Mm -hmm. Impossible. Too much stress. So he hits a, so the bad shot comes from <clears throat> the fear of hitting that bad shot. Chapter in Zen Golf. Yes. You produce what you fear. Yep. Then he gets all uptight and careful, and then he hits that sideways shot. Yep. And okay, so now let's talk about the shank. Remember, that's that is a shot that is very, very close to a really good shot. It is. They it is. think they hit it off the toe, but they actually hit it off the hosel. That's why they call them a hosel rocket. Okay. <clears throat> so understand that's where that came from, and it came, but it came from you interfering with a free swinging shot right because you got so uptight to try to prevent or try to help it do what you want or prevent it from doing what you don't want those are the sources of interference those are the way interference manifests in your swing so instead and if you if you do instead when you're playing that well just say okay everybody makes mistakes they're going to happen I'm just going to keep stick with my game plan. And instead of saying this could be my best round ever, say, I want to play my best and see what happens. And we'll, and we'll add them all up at the end. Mm -hmm. Now, to cure the shanks, that's very simple. Just try to hit it off the toe of the club. Yeah. Look at the toe of the club. Touch the th toe of the club with your, right. with your thumb. Say, hit it here. Hit it here. Do anything you can to just try to hit the next pitch with the toe of the club. And just break free of that, that cycle of hitting that, it off the hosel. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. That's it. A few off the toe of the club, you'll relax. <clears throat> and the last thing is, if you find yourself in the funk, you just say, okay, I'm doing this because I've veered from my game plan and I'm trying to be perfect, and let's just make as committed a swing as I can. And start fresh. That's it. And not beat yourself up. <clears throat> that's a big one. Because we, as golfers, we certainly all know how to beat ourselves up. That's for and sure. And that's where the ninja system comes in. Say, you know what? It doesn't help my game to beat myself up. So I'm going to try and do that as little as possible. And just be aware. Yeah. Each time I do, I count, I count it down. And, and eventually it'll disappear. But there's a post-shot routine that you can use. If you hit a bad shot, take a moment. Reflect. What got in the way? 
what got in the way, and then erase and replace. Make the swing you wish you would have made. Yeah. And then you don't leave that spot with a bad swing that you're going to compensate for. You leave it with a good one that you're going to plan for your next shot. And that way, that that's how Zen golf is a path of continuous improvement. Because whether, if you hit a good shot, you reinforce it with success. Mm-hmm. If not so good shot, you erase it and replace it with the one that you intend so that the next shot's going to be better. So you still walk away with the positive. Yeah. Walk away with the positive, and you can actually get better as you play that way. I just did that with my student yesterday. Uh, we, we, we used his mistakes to actually improve his game as we played. There you go. And if you can learn from those mistakes, and, and that's just you're on the path. You're on the right path. That's for sure. All right. Well, listen. As as we said before, we always appreciate you taking the time and having you here on the show. Um, can you again Zen Golf twenty? Congratulations on approaching the twenty years. Um, is there? Can you tell us? Is there any timeline for the new book coming out? Yeah, I think I want to time it for the exact twenty year anniversary. Twenty year. Okay. So it's spring of 2022. But I, before we go, I do want to give one more plug yes. for A Walk in the Wood, Meditations on Mindfulness with a Bear Named Pooh. And and this is Disney Company asked my sister, who has written many, many books for them, to work with me on it because I teach mindfulness for families. And it coincidentally, it turns out it's fantastic in this time of uh, social isolation where families are pretty much stuck together. Yeah, and it's particularly and difficult stuck. on kids. Yeah, and, and this is something that the kids can enjoy. The stories are written for adults to read to kids or read with the kids. And I did the audiobook so you can listen to it and listen to the characters, but in, in each chapter, after the uh, after the story, there's gray pages that are adult instructions in meditations on mindfulness and gratitude and compassion and and all these wonderful values that then the adults can teach the kids. So it's really an instruction book as well as an entertaining book. And when you got to teach the kids and they're not in school, yeah. this, this is the best thing you can teach them. I, I couldn't, couldn't agree with you more. I'm happy to start seeing some of the schools starting to teach meditation and mindfulness. Uh, my daughter's starting to do that, which is something that just when I went to school, you know, 25 years ago was not something. So I think that's terrific. And uh, I'm looking forward to to mine and Mike's or our books on the way and we'll be definitely yes. – reviewing that with with our our daughters so thank sure. you and if you don't mind putting so the links up the, the main source to get in touch with me <clears throat> it's easy to remember it's drjoeparent.com d r j o e p a r e n t.com and of course there's there's always zengolf.com absolutely we will include both of those links in the show notes for for all of you yes. out there to quickly and easily access and and doc once again Thanks again. It's always enlightening when we get a chance to speak with you, and we appreciate you taking the time to come here and chat with us on the show. Jersey Boys. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. We'll chat with you again soon. Take care. Be well. Take care. All right. So as always, that that was a fun one. And um, 
when as soon as the opportunity, like I said, it was his publisher or someone on on, on Doc's team got in contact with us about get, coming back on the show, and it had been two years, and I said absolutely because there was no way in in one episode we could cover all of the concepts, and as you could see, he has he's just a wealth of information when it comes to the mental side of the game. So. I think it's something that I'd love to get him back on the show again. Um, there's just so many different areas we could dive into. And I'm, I'm really glad he was able to answer some of the listener questions. So right. thank you, first of all, everybody who submitted questions in the Facebook group. If you're not already in our Facebook group, make sure you join it. It's free. Just go to Facebook, search The Golf Podcast, Golficity. You'll find our group. And uh, it's a great way, like I said, to continue the conversation. But also when we do have these opportunities to get some guests on the show, oftentimes you or I, Mike, will, will drop it in. In the uh, in the group, maybe a week or two before, and say get your questions in because it's a way for you guys to get involved in the conversation and for you guys to have a chance to uh, pose your questions to some of the uh, the most brilliant minds in the game. Yeah, and I would sure. I would put Dr. Joseph Parent right up there with them. If there's some way that you have not yet checked out Zen Golf, man, stop waiting. Check it out. Um, you can get it there. They got, as he said, the the Dude, e-book. I audio booked it the other oh, night. Audio so easy, right on Amazon. Yeah, and actually, uh, in the group, our buddy Ed D'Souza even pointed out that I think if you're a pro- Amazon Prime member, oh, you can, it's free. You can download it for free. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. Ah, there, there you go. So hard to beat that deal. So check that out. You can get to the show notes, everything we talked about today, by going to golfacy.com/slash episode three thirty seven. We'll show, we'll throw those links to Doc's uh, website and Zen Golf in there as well. It's easy enough to remember zengolf.com. Uh, but we'll throw that in there as well, so you guys can check it out. But do yourself a favor if you haven't checked out the book, check it out. Even if you have revisit it from time to time it's a good reminder of some of those key mental game points that we should all know when we're out there all right guys thanks for tuning in we'll see everybody again next week